Chapter Twenty Seven of Parables from Nature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lawrence Trask. Parables from Nature by Margaret Gaddy. Chapter Twenty Seven. Imperfect Instruments. And others' follies teach us not not much their wisdom teaches and most of sterling worth is what our own experience preaches tennyson over the old church tower passed the rooks on their way from the neighboring trees cawing into the fresh morning air as they went dew hung yet upon every stone of the building on the bits of moss and grass which time had suffered to creep over or between them here and there on the edges of the tombs below there was no one astir at this early hour of an autumn day to speak to or interrupt the dark-eyed geronimo as he strode hurriedly up the pathway to the porch the church keys dangling from his hand and slightly clanking against each other as he stepped behind him followed a rough-haired country lad but at a little distance and silent he had a stick in his hand, however, with which he began to whisk off the wet from the grass blades of the graves on each side of the path. But at one turn and glance from Geronimo, he desisted. Soon the key was in the lock. The bolt had turned, grating back. The heavy door was pushed open, the shock echoing through the building. And Geronimo and little Roger, the mason's son, his companion, were walking up the aisle on one side of which at the upper end in a small transept stood the organ and choir seats let me recall that lonely village nestling in a narrow valley on the borders of southern wales traversed by a rapid streamlet which ran through it like a silver thread rich in orchards embosomed in ancient trees where rooks had built their nests for generations where the cuckoo's voice reverberated from the surrounding hills at one extremity was the church at the other the quiet vicarage so that the flock were wont to watch about their doorways for the passing by of the pastor to his sacred office that they might follow and enter with him into the ark of the visible church on earth he leading them on their way it was a pretty custom and a pleasant sight there was a tone of loyal respect and trust about it which social progress has it is to be feared some tendency to disturb let me recall the old pastor himself in his happy scholarly simplicity the serenity of submission on his face for he had undergone a life's long grief let me recall him in the days when the time was drawing near for the silver cord to be broken and when his visions brought him closer and closer to the day of reunion with his dearly loved italian wife who had died when their only child geronimo was but five years old and geronimo was now his father's curate a youth fresh from the schools energetic enthusiastic determined even to self-will a worshipper of system and order one who had taken for his motto the words of the poet because right is right to follow right were wisdom in the scorn of consequence the father on the other hand past middle age was old for his years for the fire of his spirit had died out 
but the power of his intellect remained unaltered as is often the case in fine natures and an originally widely educated judgment grew wider and gentler as the river of his life widened out to the everlasting sea he doubted about his son's motto therefore as a universal rule of life it had to be considered said he whether the right you followed or the consequence you scorned was of the greater vital importance there was a right and a wrong he once added as a homely illustration in the way of cutting a pencil but if you have to deal with a weak leaded one which would not bear long shoulders without breaking it was better to cut it with short shoulders than waste it altogether if he had to choose a motto himself it must be from the broader teaching of st paul geronimo listened in impatience he thought his father's argument a letting down of principle the homely illustration trivial and with regard to st paul everybody knew that texts could be found to support most anything it stood thus then that the father admired the son for his strength of purpose and purity of intention yet sometimes wondered what his future would be but that the son never properly appreciated the father except for his amiability to himself he thought him a kind but feeble old man behindhand in the lights of day and it was true that while geronimo had passed from school to college his father had remained in the narrow valley and while the kaleidoscope of public opinion was presenting fresh combinations of thought and feeling to the gaze and admiration of the ardent young the old man was out of the circle of their influence and judged of them afar off with the mind of a philosopher it was perhaps a rash arrangement that geronimo should have come to be his father's curate but he had made the offer and the old man had accepted it with tears of joy there was in fact between them a strong natural affection overruling all theoretical differences of opinion as well as a strong sense of parental and filial duty there was also perhaps some hope on both sides of influencing each other for good and there was moreover the unspoken bond of common interest in one grave the triangular white marble slab on the chancel wall of the church bore upon it a name which to both father and son was still the dearest name upon earth maria madalena to the old man naturally so who through so many years had lifted up weary loving eyes to the golden letters in which it was traced travelling in spirit to that heaven of heavens whither the taper central angle of the tablet continually pointed and the son had his own recollections dim ones of old embraces from that mother who had so soon passed away vivid ones of looking upwards to that tablet from his seat in the church ever since he was a child of gazing on the shining words and the shining emblems above them the palm branches the cross and the star until their glitter first dazzled and then brought tears to his eyes had he tried by gazing to get nearer to the bearer of that golden name the mother whom every motherless child feels to want so much had he hoped to charm her back he knew not whence to comfort him he knew not how he could not have answered himself children do and feel many things of which they can give no account and the why matters so little in comparison with the fact 
enough that the long-cherished habit of love to the pure white marble slab remained as firm in geronimo's heart as if he had been able to reason about its propriety and justify it by argument judge then what he must have suffered when on first coming to the place as a curate he felt it his duty to ask permission of his father to have that tablet removed to some other part of the church let us go back to that time some nine months before the opening of my story for it was the beginning of geronimo's practical troubles it was a painful scene that took place geronimo's voice trembled as he made the request and his father's heart wrung never was followed by a silence equally distressing to both then the old man asked for reasons and the young one gave them the kaleidoscope had brought certain proprieties into full observation which had for some time been unnoticed there was no doubt about that private memorials were inappropriate there geronimo thought them inappropriate in the church anywhere the father disputed this it was the ark of the dead as well as of the living but were the matter to be done over again he would place the stone without the rails in preference as it was there was no vital principle involved no sufficient reason therefore for the desecrating act of removal the son returned to the argument his father had admitted the objection was it not clearly an act of duty to sacrifice personal feeling to the example of right whether the right were small or great measure me the measure of right cried the troubled father as compared with the impressions it will cause you cannot drive straight lines through life without knocking over good feelings as well as bad ones and woe to those who knock down what little there is of good in the world the right way is a narrow way replied the son to trim to the prejudices of the ignorant to sacrifice principle to man-pleasing there was more said in the shape of argument than needs to be repeated here let everyone fight the matter out as he will on the following day the father had come to a resolution when i am gone said he to his son and my name is added to hers on the tablet you may remove it to where you will and even now if on hearing this you remain offended you may remove it at once i warn you however that it is my belief you are doing so will cause evil rather than good among those whose souls health you are bound to consider you cannot get them to understand your motives and they will abominate the act what you lose will be far more therefore than what you will gain of my personal feelings i say nothing on that point i suspect we suffer together now then do as you please if the father had hoped by yielding a point so trying to himself to set geronimo an example of giving way he deceived himself geronimo did not accept what he said as an example but as an acknowledgment of an error that needed rectifying about any consequences to other people he refused to think at all consequences were nothing in matters of duty and principle so he went to roger the village mason explained what he wanted and gave his orders announcing his intention of coming himself to assist but the man stared in astonishment you bent in earnest surely sir said he surely you're never going to pull down your own mother's tombstone why it'll break the old gentleman's heart and she such a woman as she was 
my father has given his consent said geronimo annoyed but not betraying the smallest impatience roger the mason shook his head and took up a tool he had laid down as if intending to return to his work you'll excuse me mr geronimo you've maybe persuaded him to it young people will be young people i know remarked roger though it's a downright miracle to me why you should want to do it you the lady's only son and such a lady as she was it's out of no disrespect to my mother i assure you expostulated geronimo i should think not indeed interrupted the mason but continued geronimo we all have to sacrifice personal feelings you know in matters of right and wrong geronimo paused but the mason was silent he had no idea what was meant or where there is a question of propriety in the treatment of holy places continued the youth but still the mason stared at him in silence you don't understand me i think said geronimo i'm free to own that i don't answered the mason will you let me come in and explain myself asked the young man your father's son is welcome in my house at any time cried roger who had at last got hold of an idea he could fully understand and leading the way along a narrow passage he ushered his guest into a small parlor to which he presently called his wife down having asked permission for her to share in what mr geronimo was going to say but let mr geronimo say what he would neither of his hearers succeeded in comprehending him though to do them justice they tried there they sat the mason holding his cap in both hands between his knees slightly stooping but looking up at geronimo from time to time his wife bolt upright and never taking her eyes off him for a second and still they didn't understand they had two or three ideas of their own in their heads it is true which were adverse to mr geronimo's arguments and perhaps darkened their powers of comprehension the missus as they called her had been an angel on earth if ever there was one and no place could be too good for her stone they were sure for wasn't she herself in heaven at least who would ever get there if she wasn't there and the poor deaf gentleman had stood under it every sunday ever since she was taken and who'd have the heart to deprive him of the comfort of feeling her so near if that stone were to be taken away they shouldn't have him there much longer mr geronimo might depend on that roger's good woman declared that she wouldn't see the poor gentleman standing there alone as if he'd never had a wife for all the world if she could help it take down his own mother's tombstone as if her name wasn't a credit anywhere and a good example into the bargain mr geronimo couldn't be thinking of what he was saying and roger protested that if he had never had another job in all his life he wouldn't have this but mr geronimo was young put in the wife and hadn't come to his feelings he would think better of it presently they wished him a very good morning and hoped he would call again mr geronimo bit his lips as he left the house learning authority what had become of them what had he done with them what could he have done with them against such stolid country heads entirely spoilt into the bargain thought he the fruit of taking things easy there was but one hope of cure to go the way you thought right and leave such people to get reconciled to it as they could explanation and reasoning he was ashamed of having tried them the people had treated him like a child so he crossed the hills next morning 
and rode ten miles to the nearest town, where he engaged a marble mason to come over and remove the tablet. But Sunday intervened, and, as it chanced, his father was ill, and he had to stand in his place under the tablet in the chancel. And all at once, well there, there flashed into his mind one, at any rate, of the words which Roger the Mason had spoken. Quite an unreasonable word, be it granted, but reason, even in the most reasoning men, is not always a match for feeling, and Geronimo was suddenly unnerved. The gospel for the day contained the brief pathetic history of the widow of Nain, and crossed as all the incidents were, for he was the only son of a yet living father, and it was the mother who was dead. Every word seemed to touch his case, and he had a sensation as if the Maria Maddalena of his childhood was looking down over his head from the tablet he was preparing to remove. He actually shuddered. What if his father were about to die too? Yet what really overwhelmed him, little as he knew it, was the contrast which made itself felt between the hardness of his own attempted system and the sympathy which breathed out of the gospel page. The Savior had driven the money-changers from the temple, it is true, with the hand of indignant power, but there was no question of the world's vile desecrating traffic in that still marble monument on the wall. Geronimo did not think it all out then, nor till long afterward, but in steeling himself to set a point, let it be granted, ecclesiastical propriety above the much weightier matter of human sympathy, and a regard for moral results on others, he had followed the Pharisees of old, rather than him who imposed none but necessary burdens on the tremulous human mind. Nevertheless, his resolution had received a shock, and he was up betimes next morning to meet the marble mason on his way. He had altered his intentions, he told him, with respect to the tablet, but there was another little matter of restoration in the church which he wished him to undertake. And now Geronimo breathed freely again, and met his father at breakfast with an easy mind. He therefore spoke quite cheerfully of the proposed restoration of the Knight Templar's tomb, which had long been in disorder, and alluded to the marble mason from the town as being there. A cry from his father interrupted him. Geronimo, that marble mason, have you really had the heart to— Here breath failed the old man, and he turned very pale. No, no, cried Geronimo passionately, for he knew what was meant. It is well, murmured the father. I gave you leave, I know, but Geronimo, I doubt if I could have borne it. One gets weaker as one gets older, and with weak people as with ignorant ones, the grasshopper is sometimes a burden. If Geronimo could but have recollected this, but he had seen so little of life in the world himself, that he could scarcely help being one-sided and narrow-minded, and as he would not avail himself of his father's wider knowledge, what remained but to make mistakes. So priding himself on inflexible firmness in matters of principle, however small, he confounded together things indifferent and important, did even wise ones foolishly, and attempted others which were neither wise nor worth a hundredth part of the offense they created. We are to be hated of all men for his name's sake, quoted he in justification of the course he was pursuing. His name's sake, I dare not record the trivialities he dignified upon that sacred ground, 
but on one or two points the father interfered authoritatively, and then domestic disagreement arose. Now Geronimo had thought scorn of Roger the Mason for not yielding to his better knowledge and authoritative position as a matter of course. Yet here, where to the counsellor was added father as well as priest, and to the knowledge of the schools the broader experiences of a long and varied life, it came quite natural to this mere lad by comparison to think and betray the thought that he knew a thousand times the better of the two. Verily, if a little of the old heathen respect for the wisdom of gray hairs had been added to his theological dogmas, Geronimo's Christianity would not have suffered. "'And a man's foes shall be of his own household,' murmured the old man to himself in the bitterness of his heart, as he wondered whether it would not be soon be his duty to send this his only son from his side. For how could he be justified in letting the clouds of miserable parties and party feelings gather into a storm?' But now Geronimo, too, awoke to the fact that such a storm threatened. The gossip spread on every side that father and son did not always agree, and the flock were not likely to be unanimous. The wicked natural man loves contest. The weak natural man loves excitement. An expression of partisanship to himself, coupled with disrespect for his father, awoke Geronimo to a sense of his position, if it did not explain his mistake and on looking further round his tender conscience was grieved. The old confidence was broken up, the old love was failing, whether with or without reason was not the question now. What could be the cause? What was the remedy? Perhaps he had been too busy with his plans and changes to have made himself as much a personal friend as was desirable. He redoubled his exertions and visits, endeavored to conciliate on all sides, but somehow something was wanting. If from long habit a good many still came out to follow himself and his father to church, they did so at a greater and greater distance. Only a few came up now to claim the friendly greeting, which he remembered as part of the Sunday's intercourse in the days of his childhood. Geronimo was puzzled. Yet if the kaleidoscope had but turned round for contemplation, that crystal from the wisdom of St. Paul, destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. He would have known the cause of estrangement and how to apply a cure. As it was, an idea at once bright and kind struck him, and he lost no time in carrying it out with zeal. Geronimo was musical. He had been so from childhood upwards, had introduced better music as well as greater beauty into the venerable old church, and for both these things the people were grateful, as they ought to be. He would make use of this happily universal feeling. He would give a treat to high and low, would have a festival. They should keep holiday with singing and gladness and feasting. And the day should be his father's birthday. He would dispel the dreadful and mischievous idea that the house to which all the parish looked for example was divided against itself. Never was a happier thought struck out. It furnished occupation for hearts and minds and hands and the old folks who could do nothing but talk had a harmless subject of conversation. Adier, then, Mr. Geronimo and his father were as friendly as ever. It had all been a mistake about their not agreeing. A, how pleased the old gentleman looked, to be sure, when he called here and there to ask them if they were going to get ready. Why, he was helping everybody to trim themselves up in their best for the grand supper there was to be at the end. 
and on the old gentleman's birthday and all. It was something to think of. They were glad. And so they were. But so also, only more deeply so, were father and son, for they felt reunited. And now the time drew near, and only one small contradiction had arisen. The organ was not so perfectly in tune as to please Geronimo's delicate ear, and when nearly, at the last moment, he wrote over for the one organ-builder of the distant town, he found, to his dismay, that the man was absent and would be so till the day after the festival. The evil was slight, and the father entreated Geronimo to be satisfied. So few would discover the imperfection. But Geronimo could not rest. His passionate love of order was offended, and it must be owned that the instinct is a good one. In the beginning, the will of God brought an organized world out of an elemental confusion. In the end, we hope he will bring harmony into the discordant world of spirits. And in the present life, men may, each one in his degree, labor to the same good end. It is both their privilege and their duty to do so. Lawyers, physicians, statesmen, men of science, and above all divines, undertake to do it by their very professions. Entangled claims, diseased bodies, disturbed nations. In Geronimo the instinct was almost a passion, but of the judicious application of means to the blessed end, he did not know a great deal more than of how to bring the organ of the village church into the desired perfection of tune. Nevertheless, he knew something of that, for he had been present when the organ-builder had tuned the instrument before, had observed the process of widening or narrowing the mouths of the pipes in order to change their tone, and had since ventured on, correcting a defective note or two himself. What was to hinder him from tuning the whole of them now, if he could but ascertain the order in which the guiding scale of notes was made perfect? To bring all the rest into unison with that would be no difficulty, for he could perfectly trust his ear. The difficulty was to get at the first principles of the matter. The youth who played the organ when Geronimo's duties precluded his assistance knew nothing of the subject. But Geronimo would not be baffled. The day before the festival he crossed the hills to the town and called at a musical instrument maker's shop. Could they give him, he asked, the succession of notes by which organs were tuned? Mr. Somebody asked Mr. Somebody else, and there was a reference to an authority through a door. The shopman, who was left behind, eyed Geronimo askance. Was he in their line of business? he wondered. Presently the other man returned and presented him with a bit of music paper, on which twenty notes were marked down. There are the notes, sir, said he, rather coolly, as if he too half suspected a rival. The same as for a pianoforte. As of course you know, he added, with a half-inquiring look. Geronimo disliked familiarity, and gave a half-impatient nod. Mr. desired me to say with his compliments, sir, continued the messenger, he supposed you are aware it's a difficult business, organ-tuning, to anyone that hasn't practiced it. Has your master practiced it? inquired Geronimo with a new hope. Oh, no, sir, replied the man, who himself did duty as master on the other side of the door. We're pianoforte tuners only, sir. What does the fool mean, thought Geronimo as he walked away. A difficult business it may be to the man without an ear, but easy enough otherwise with the clue in his hand. 
thank heaven there is the comfort of certainty in dealing with material things fixed laws and fixed results not that everlasting trimming and yielding which leaves every work one undertakes imperfect at last as geronimo mused thus and read over the clearly defined system by which his organ was to be brought into that harmonious order which we call being in tune he almost felt that an organ builder's business was more satisfactory than a clergyman's there was still the little brass cone used for widening or contracting the pipes to be obtained but this he asked for at the organ builder's establishment no remark passing there on what it was wanted for and then geronimo hurried home and now it will be understood what took the young curate to the church so early on the morning of that autumn festival day he had begun but not nearly completed the tuning of the organ the evening before having gone to it as soon as he could make an excuse to leave his father again for the bold feat was to be kept secret till its successful accomplishment proved how wisely it had been undertaken and now it must be finished before breakfast for the decorations were to be brought in afterwards and he himself had a thousand other things to do for two hours and upwards therefore did he persevere in his anxious work his greatest trouble being the special care required in the mechanical part inasmuch as a hasty or too heavy insertion of the cone into the mouths of the pipes was liable to split the metal and do mischief but geronimo kept every faculty on the full stretch of attention and his perfect ear made the bringing of the notes into correct harmony a matter of no trouble at all but on the contrary of the keenest pleasure and the instrument was more glaringly out of order than he supposed his father had fancied it was only a little out of tune and he himself had not thought the disorder very great but now that he tested it by the scale almost every note was wrong and must be altered a few of the octaves harmonized together it is true but all the fifths were either too flat or too sharp that not one should have remained perfect by accident as several of the octaves had done puzzled him not a little but the fact of their all being imperfect more or less was undeniable what a blessing he had it in his power to remedy the evil yes for two hours and upwards did the work go on the occasional drone of the pipes vibrating drearily through the aisles and causing little roger to fall asleep at his post of the blower at last however every octave had been gone through had been brought into perfect unison with the perfected scale of the twenty notes and geronimo's labors were over roger cried he to the child whose blowing efforts were perceptibly failing yes sir blow steadily and strongly now for ten minutes more and you shall go home to breakfast fill the bellows there's a good lad roger worked his arms vigorously and the bellows were soon full it's all right now please sir said he geronimo had his eyes on a piece of music open on the desk before him it was haydn's mass in five flats his dream of beauty among all the classical music of the world as roger spoke the young curate bent forward and struck down the full magnificent chords of the key but almost as he struck them he uttered a cry which it was well the louder organ sounds drowned or roger would have thought geronimo mad a cry of both despair and physical distress as it was something startled the lad and he let go the blowing handle with a jerk it ran up at once and the organ notes died out in a mournful squeal as to geronimo it would be difficult to describe what he did 
He was off the stool in an instant, shouting to Roger to know if he had broken the bellows, then back again to retouch the expiring notes and see if he had been under a delusion or if he had struck the instrument at random. But no, 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 then how, by what miracle, could he account for the fact that his touch upon that cord had filled the air with dissonant vibrations, horrible to the most untutored ear, but to his refined one absolutely insufferable? Cord, indeed. The very word was a mockery. What he had struck was a clash of discords. Human nature itself never puzzled Geronimo half as much. After the first agony was over, he examined the matter with all the calmness and care he could command made Roger blow again, tried other chords in succession, but in all cases with the same result, in a greater or less degree. Once more, then, he got out the tuning scale, once more ran over the guiding twenty notes. There was not a single flaw, not one, not a varying vibration could be heard, and all the others were in unison with those. And then again he struck a chord, and the chord was no chord at all, he next examined the pipes. Perhaps he had cracked all their mouths with his cone. But no, there was not a split in any one of them. He had been far too careful for that. And now time was getting on, and Roger was half-starved. A knocking had already been heard at one of the doors. The decorators must be let in, and he must go home to his breakfast and his father. Geronimo's face, as he locked up the organ and put the keys in his pocket, looked ten years older than it had done before he had begun his work. He gave Roger half a crown as a treat for the day, and hastened home. It is difficult to reckon on the conduct of anyone under the trial of having made a great mistake. Some people fight meanly to get out of a little fault, as if self-conceit was the leading principle of their lives, but humble themselves nobly under a great one, and this was the case with Geronimo. He went at once to his father, and told him all that he had done, blaming himself more bitterly than his father would allow he deserved. But he did more than that. He stepped into many houses that morning, both of farmers and shopkeepers, and told them they must forgive him for being the cause of what he feared would be a great disappointment. He had wanted to make the organ better, and he had, unfortunately, done something to it which made it worse. And as he could not find out what was amiss, it couldn't be remedied. He would get the choir to make amends by singing their very best, and he would help them all he could himself. He begged that the blunder might not be allowed to spoil the pleasure of the day. Unaccountable human race. We ought indeed to be patient one with another. Geronimo had not received so many smiles in all the time he had been curate, as now when he was carrying round the painful message of his own defeat. It was wonderful. Kind words were on every lip, not a reproach was heard. It had been so good of Mr. Geronimo to try. They were sure it couldn't have been his fault, but something had gone wrong of itself. Anyhow, they didn't mind at all, and hoped he wouldn't trouble himself. They should hear him sing all the plainer for there being no music besides, and as for that piece the old master had talked about so much, they hoped he'd be so good as to play it to them some other day. They begged he wouldn't mind. That was all. Geronimo felt crowned with roses for his frankness, if not for the error he had committed, and service, feast, and festival were kept with unclouded comfort, 
bringing a promise of further comfort in store, a better understanding of what was meant on all sides. And now for the explanation. Neither father nor son could unravel the mystery. The only guess even they could make was that the man at the music shop might have given them a wrong scale to work by. It was not a bad idea, and it served to keep them quiet till the organ-builder, whom they sent for at once, came over. He was an odd, sententious old man with a good deal of dry humor, so when he got into the church and touched the fatal organ, he first chuckled and then laughed outright. Were the bellows out of order? Were the pipes injured? Was the scale incorrect? Was the tuning imperfect? Geronimo's questions fell thick and fast. "'Nothing of the sort, young gentleman,' said the organ-builder to every suggestion. "'There's only one thing the matter, but it's everything. "'The tuning's too perfect by half.' Both Geronimo and his father stared, to the organ-builder's great delight. "'You don't seem to have heard of this before, gentlemen,' observed he, "'but it's a fact, nevertheless. "'The scale's all right, the system's perfect, "'but if you stick too close to it, it sets you wrong. The organ won't bear it. That's the fact. Not bear being put into perfect tune, asked Geronimo, really astonished. How was that possible? It's an imperfect instrument, sir, answered the organ builder, and that being the case, you have to make the best you can of it, and not expect to get it perfect, for that's not possible. Here he took up the scale paper and went on to explain that most of the fifths must be left somewhat flat, and the few others made somewhat sharp, the octaves alone being tuned in perfect unison. And this was the best plan, he assured them, of getting a harmonious whole. Not perfect, I grant, even then, added he, but pretty fair for this present life, gentlemen, you see. Geronimo listened in silence. A system of expediency in the material world and in music especially, seemed to him monstrous. He sat silently by, too, while the organ-builder made his preparations for repairing the mischief that had been done. His father slipped away as silent as himself, though possibly he made his own reflections before he went. But Geronimo sat silently on, till at last the organ-builder began to tune the fifths, leaving each one flat in succession, and them he could contain himself no longer. He got up, but only to sit down again, and then rose once more. "'This is most trying,' he exclaimed, "'as unsatisfactory to the mind as the ear, "'to have a perfect system to go by.' Here he pointed to the scale of twenty notes, "'and not be allowed to carry it perfectly out, "'though ear and heart rebel against the disorder. "'To have an evil under your very hand to be remedied, "'and be obliged to suffer it still.' I call this dreadful. The organ-builder stopped his work to listen and reply. It's not very pleasant, I admit, said he, but there's one thing worse, to find you've worked so hard for the system that you've missed the end it was made for. A perfect system ought to work out to a perfect end, murmured Geronimo. But the organ-builder shook his head. Not if the instrument isn't perfect, too persisted he. There's sure to be a cross somewhere. Drone went another pipe, another imperfect fifth was tuned, and the organ-builder made another pause. 
he was a very sententious man and liked to explain all around his subject it's the same all through life observed he the best rules even short of gospel rules of course mustn't be pressed too close neither man nor organ can bear it if we were all up in heaven it might be different in spite of himself geronimo smiled and the smile did him good what a choice of evils said he can't be otherwise remarked his companion so long as things are all imperfect together men and organs perhaps even rules too sometimes geronimo shook his head but the organ builder did not notice it and went back to his tuning as cheerful as if no such thing as a sad necessity existed in the world and geronimo went on listening to the unsatisfactory sounds musing the while thereupon irregularity inconsistency contradictions even were as rife then in the material world as in the spiritual must be borne with allowed for made the best of in the one case as in the other in order to compass the great object at last the organ builder's business was not so much more satisfactory than a clergyman's after all now sir you may play haydn's mass in five flats for as long as you please observed the organ builder as he concluded the tuning striking down the full chord of the key in proof of the fact the organ goes sweetly enough now and so it did sweetly enough if not as perfectly as geronimo could have desired but he had had his lesson and must henceforth be contented with something short of his ideal that type of perfect in his mind in nature can he nowhere find nowhere in the lower nature at least and for the full development of the higher he must wait in patience but patience is the philosophy of experience and even geronimo attained it at last End of chapter 27. Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio.